Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is WSBT's Community Update on 96.1 WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. Indiana is now allowing people 45 years old and older to get coronavirus vaccinations, while Michigan is letting anyone sign up. St. Joseph County Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox tells WSBT 22's First in the Morning this week, we're not out of the woods but the progress in vaccinations is making a big difference. We saw, as you had anticipated, you said it's not a question of if, but it's just a question of when this variant would show up. We now have one documented case. I know there's a lot you can't talk about because of privacy rules, but with, without getting specific, do we know if that person contracted that variant in our area, which would lead to believe that perhaps there are other people out there, but we just don't know about it? What I can say is there is a set number or a set proportion of positive cases that get sent off for surveillance for the variant. And then there are some special conditions that might prompt us to send samples. So people who get infected after getting vaccinated, people who are reinfected may be tested for variants, or people with an unusual travel history. Um, so it was none of those three things. It was just a, a routine sample and surveillance that came back identifying the variant. So. I'm not aware of any unusual travel history or anything suggests that it was contracted locally. So what did they ask you about the, the variant as a wider scale? There was a lot of concern when we first started to hear about these variants that, it, that it's going to, to grow exponentially. And then I guess when you start from a low number, anything growth is, is exponential. Uh, but it was going to become a, a, potentially a significant problem. We haven't necessarily seen that, although nationally, the case numbers are kind of flattening out a little bit. Is that all variant related? It seems to be, you know, they're still projecting that over the next four weeks or so, variants will become the dominant source of infection. So I haven't seen anything to, to lead me to a different conclusion yet. I just think still in the United States, we aren't doing enough surveillance. And in Indiana, we're still lagging behind even some neighboring states. So because these variants seem to be more easily spread, and they may or may not be more dangerous, but more people are getting vaccinated, some people also have some level of natural immunity. Are you and other epidemiologists as concerned as you were about the variants and the impact it would have on the overall pandemic as we were when we first started to hear about the variants? I think we're right at a tipping point. Um, if our pace of vaccination slows down, then the variants can create more of a problem. But we did nearly 3 million doses in the U.S. over the weekend, which, you know, is just phenomenal. So I think if our pace of vaccination continues and we still have a relatively low level of variance, then, you know, it will not have as much impact as what we feared. So let, let's talk about the vaccine and, and the people getting them. Right now, Indiana specifically is, in fact, Michigan soon will be 50 plus. And that leads to believe that there will be the next age group, either 45 plus or 40 plus. I uh, believe I heard you say last week, or maybe you said it to someone else, that uh, there is a little bit of a concern because it appears as though the 50 plus population group, at least here, isn't getting the vaccine as quickly as some of the other age groups. Is that still the case? 
I think what happened was it, it appeared that there was less uptake because there were a number of appointments available. And that actually seems to have simply been a technological, technological glitch because our appointments this week are, are fully subscribed. So, so I really do think that was a glitch rather than reflecting a, a change in thinking. I, I'm more worried when we get to age 40 and younger because I've heard a number of people in you know 20s and 30s say, yeah, I'm not that worried. I'm, if I if I get it, I'm likely not gonna get that sick, and and they want to wait and they have more of a wait and see attitude. Um, I hope we can overcome that. Do you anticipate that we'll be going to 45 or 40 plus sometime soon? Yeah, we expect to go down to age 40 by the end of the month. So um, I have no inside baseball on this, but. I expect we'll go to 45 this week. Now, the president uh, earlier last week talked about moving everyone, every adult who is eligible of age, 16 plus, to get the vaccine or at least be eligible to sign up for the vaccine by May 1st. Do you think that's realistic? I do. I think, you know, just saying that out loud uh, kind of creates that expectation. And I think with the work the Biden administration has done on vaccine availability, you know, we should be in good shape to actually be able to realize that in the month of May. Yeah, one, one final question, and I wanted to ask you, how are we doing here locally with hospitalizations, et cetera? Things have been fairly calm recently. Any reason for concern that we might be seeing an uptick? We've seen a little uptick in cases, and a week or two ago, we'd seen a rise in hospitalizations, and that's flattened back out again. So our hospital situation looks good, and our cases certainly haven't gone wild, but there has been a little gradual drift upwards. But we can handle it at this point, yeah, as long as point, people continue to do what they're supposed to do. That's the key, right there. All right, <laughs> okay. That Dr. hasn't changed. That advice has not changed. And probably won't for some time, I'd imagine. Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Now, some answers to questions often asked as people prepare to schedule a vaccination appointment. Healthcare experts say you should consider your medical history. Dr. James Harris at the South Bend Clinic says there are few conditions that pose a greater risk of serious infection. But he says asthma, high blood pressure, obesity, and diabetes do not increase your risk. If you have any concerns, though, he suggests talking to your doctor before you get your vaccine. If you've had a previous reaction to a flu shot or other vaccines, it's also very important to know and to bring forward to the medical people you're talking with. Dr. James Harris is the medical director of the South Bend Clinic's Center for Research. He's very familiar with what's happening with coronavirus vaccines. He's been working on the local trial of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It's important to know the risk of the vaccine is really low. And even if you have medical conditions, it's still the best thing to do to get your shot. Before you get your shot, he says your doctor may suggest a pretreatment like antihistamines to help reduce side effects and reaction. Harris says no matter which shot you get, you should expect at least a sore arm, perhaps fever, chills, headache, and fatigue. And most people that have reactions can get by with fluids, rest, and over-the-counter medications. I think it's reasonable to plan for the day that you get a shot to uh, take it easy the rest of the day or even the next day. Uh, because you can't predict who's going to react. But at what point should you call your doctor about your reactions? Uh, the reactions that might be more serious the next day would be developing hives or a fever of 103 or higher uh, or severe swelling or redness at the site of the injection. Dr. Harris suggests if you've tested positive for coronavirus to get your vaccination two to three months after, and if you've been treated with monoclonal antibodies or convalescent plasma, wait at least a month before getting your shot. WSBT 22's Caroline Torrey reporting. 
The year-long global pandemic has been tough on everyone. CDC data shows increases in the number of adults who experienced anxiety and depression, substance abuse, and even suicidal thoughts this year. The St. Joseph County, Indiana 911 Dispatch Center gets mental health calls regularly. The center's director says they've seen a lot more calls about young people, whether it's them calling themselves or an adult calling on their behalf. And they want you to know that 911 is there for you if you need it. The people who answer those calls save lives every day. Crazy amount of different calls every day. It's just it's a roller coaster. Keith Moody has worked in the St. Joseph County Communications Center for five years. He's used to comforting people in crisis, but last week he was working beyond his normal shift, and he took a call that hit close to home. I feel like it was I was supposed to be here for that call because I I resonated with this person. On the phone, a preteen home alone who said he was thinking about killing himself. It was tough because I felt I I heard myself on the other end of that line too. And I'm just so happy that they are brave enough to call. At first, they didn't want to give an address, but Moody was able to convince them to give it and then kept talking for more than 11 minutes until South Bend police arrived at the house ready to help. The child so distraught because they were bullied at school and thought nobody cared. And I know the feeling of feeling it's dark and sometimes it's really impossible to see the other side. Keith related his own experiences of being bullied as a child, potentially saving a life by staying on the line. The dispatch center logged more than 1,700 mental health-related calls in 2020, on paper about the same amount as the year prior. The numbers are significantly higher than that. We just don't have a, a way to pull them out. A mental health crisis doesn't always look like a mental health crisis. It, 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 it masks itself in, in many different ways. As a dispatcher, Keith is the first contact, but doesn't get to follow up on most of the calls he takes. In this case, he heard the preteen getting help from police on the phone and knows they got a hold of his mom. He did the right thing by calling her. He wants people to know he's here to help. WSBT 22, Selena Guevara reporting. As coronavirus numbers drop, a local kindergarten program is looking to the future. The Bethel University Kindergarten Lab is planning on reopening this fall. This past year, when you'd visit Bethel University, you'd only see college students. But this fall, expect to see some much smaller students crisscrossing campus. The Kindergarten Lab is accepting new students after a break because of the pandemic. Kelly Amstutz doesn't have to look far for memories of her son's time in the kindergarten lab. Colin made this book in the class two years ago. The individualized attention that he got was something that he would not have gotten had we gone through a traditional kindergarten program. That one-on-one -on -one attention is so important for youngsters. But Mishawaka Assistant Superintendent Sarah Hickel says it's so much more than that. We really are lucky because the Bethel community has embraced our students and incorporated them into their community. Amstutz says Colin still sees his Bethel friends on campus when he visits her at work, but he's also made long-lasting friendships from his kindergarten class. There's lots of things in this world that are pulling them in different directions, so just to make a community even as a, at a young age is just so important. There's also a lot of value for students at Bethel. Because our students who are in their practicum experiences are able to get that first-hand authentic experience working with students. Amstutz knows the first day of kindergarten can be hard for kids and parents. Actually, the last day of kindergarten was more sad because I knew that his time here was coming to an end. And I've asked uh, Mr. Wood and Dr. Bennett, what's the chances that Buffalo get a first grade and a second grade and a third grade? <laughs> 
If you'd like to sign your child up, you can reach out directly to the Mishawaka Schools Administration Office or Battelle Elementary. You can also sign up online and we'll have some links for you on our website. WSBT 22's Caitlin Conan reporting. In a factory that once produced gas-guzzling Hummers, all electric vehicles will soon be rolling off the assembly line. The SF Motors factory sits next to the AM General plant in Mishawaka. New electric vehicles will be produced there starting later this year, and they'll be the first of their kind to hit the U.S. market. The company producing these vehicles is Electric Last Mile, based out of Michigan. Three months ago, the company had about 30,000 pre-orders for these vehicles. That number is now up to 45,000 and growing. Well, the very you know, fundamental of a new business is, uh, is demand. And so we, we definitely have verified demand for our product. The company's CEO, James Taylor, says it's a full circle moment for him, having run and closed the old Hummer plant he'll be using. He believes this is the right time as online shopping has skyrocketed during the pandemic. So we're arriving, uh, you know, basically right at the right time where there's this uh, huge increase in demand. There's not really much um, available on the supply side of new, let's say, capacity coming along that can fulfill that. And uh, given that we're in a niche, uh, sort of all alone at these small-sized vans, we're at a perfect, uh, perfect spot. These urban delivery vehicles are all electric. They have a range of about 150 miles and, with a rebate, cost $25,000 each. The plant will employ anywhere from 50 to 100 people. And aside from that, the new business could have an economic impact by attracting other competitors. Taylor says they should be ready to go by the third quarter of this year. WSBT 22's Max Lewis reporting. A new baseball experience is coming to our area. It aims to hit the fields this spring. The Alternative Baseball Organization is a baseball experience for teens and adults with autism. It actually started in Atlanta in 2016, but after receiving some coverage nationally, it has expanded across the country. There are already a few teams here in Indiana, and now the team's looking for volunteers and players here in South Bend. Taylor Duncan created the nonprofit Alternative Baseball Organization. The 25-year-old Georgia man was diagnosed with autism at a young age, and he says he was often told he couldn't do things and participate like other children. Duncan doesn't want that for other people. He says services drop off for people with autism after high school, and this baseball organization aims to give people of all abilities a chance to have fun with the game of baseball. When you have a deficiency, I remember Temple Grandin wrote one of her books where there's always something superficial to fill up that deficiency. You just got to find what your gift is. You just got to find what it is that really drives us to be us in the best way possible so that we can get out in the real world, break the perceptions, break the stereotypes all that stuff and just give it the best that we've got. That's what this organization is about. Across the country, the Alternative Baseball Organization has 80 teams now. Players ages 15 and up can participate. The Indianapolis team is aiming to start practice this spring. The team in our area is looking for players, assistant coaches, umpires, and people who just want to help. WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting. The views expressed on WSBT's community update are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host, WSBT Radio, its staff or management. Join us again next week on Community Updates on the Sports Leader, 96.1 WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 